0: Hey guys, welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. This is Ashley. This is Lauren. And this is Naz. Um, hopefully you guys know the difference between Naz and Lauren's voices.
1: It's so funny reading in the Facebook group. First of all, if you guys haven't joined, the, the Facebook, Facebook group, group is on fire. It everyone. is lit <laughs> as fuck. It is lit as fuck. You guys need to join. But so many people are like, I can tell the difference yeah. between Naz and Lauren's voices. True fans, everyone. <laughs> Those are babies. Those are, the, Those I don't are get our babies. Those are babies. <laughs> we should come up with a,
2: we a have name an elder. for our fans. Yeah, you're right. We, we got to come up with our own language because yeah, I want to not a yeah. If He blocks me. My life's over. Yeah, you guys. If you want to be the don't getters that's kind of like it has to be cheater. like one word the idg
0: yeah the id what the id, I-D- I-D-G-I? idgi the idgi's idgs <laughs> okay whatever guys so we'll like come a up i should
2: tell us what we got anyway going okay go.
0: so one of our good friends uh reps match.com and she gave us this really interesting study this woman this doctor named dr ellen fisher does a study on relationships you know romantic it was romantically based right guys
1: Yes, it yes. is romantically based. Cause um, it's from match.com. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a, she's, I think she's, she's an anthropologist, sociologist. Mm-hmm. And so she studies dating and she comes out with new statistics each year. And I think this sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so before, before I ramble, ramble, ramble about what she does, we'll just get her on the phone right now.
2: Yeah. And I just want to say, I'm so excited for this. There are so, so many interesting statistics.
0: Her to Her study
1: is so interesting, you guys.
2: Hey guys, we have
0: Dr. Helen Fisher on the line. Dr. Fisher, can you tell us what your study is and how often you do it, what you're looking for?
3: Okay. Um, well, first of all, it's, um, I'm the chief scientific advisor to Match.com, the dating site, and we do an annual study called Singles in America. We do not poll the Match members. It's a national representative sample of Americans based on the U.S. census. So we've got the right number of blacks, whites, Asians, Latino, gay, straight, rural, suburban, urban, every part of the country, uh, and every age group, actually, uh, from uh, uh, age 18 to 71 plus. And so it's the eighth year that we've done this. Um, I start in August. Uh, we create about 200 questions. Uh, we we poll the public, uh, all single people. And um, right before Christmas, uh, we we put it all together and we find various trends. So every year we we look some uh, uh, for new trends and uh, and now we've got data on over uh, thirty five thousand uh, singles. It's the largest uh, data set in America of singles and singles behavior. So that's what I one of the things that I do, and I do that with them.
1: That's amazing! Just in time for Valentine's Day, Helen.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, that's the way we always do it. You know, we get all the data in the. In December, it destroys Christmas. Trying to, for me, trying yeah. to put it all together, and and then uh, you know we come out with our press release right now and <clears throat> and talk about it. So what are so the, the big trends? Absolutely. You say
2: you say there's a single Sunday where everyone goes on more dates than ever. They go online yeah. to date more than ever, right?
3: Yes, and it's uh, it's a very particular time. You know, Match. dot com. I mean, they trace who's gonna who's going on there on their site, and actually, it's the first Sunday after Christmas this past year. Uh, And I think it's something like 847 at night. I don't know. I just haven't, I've forgotten (laughs) that detail. But yeah, but you can, you can watch these things. And I'm not surprised because at holidays, you really, they make you think about where you're going, what you have, what you don't have. And, uh, you know, at Christmas time, if you don't have anybody to go to the various parties to, and your mother's, you know, constantly asking you, how come you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, et cetera, and everybody else is doing other things, it's a time of reflection. And, of course, if you do have uh, somebody in your life, what do you do with it? I mean, you know, are they close enough to you so you want to introduce them to friends and family, that you want to bring them to the business Christmas party? So all of these, you know, all of these are markers. They're the annual sort of markers of where you are in your life, what you're looking for. And Valentine's Day is, of course, dedicated to romance. So uh, it's a very particular, very poignant one for right. all of us. Right,
1: and also single awareness. So we want to start... Single since, awareness. So, single awareness. Day. So, Helen, we want to start with what I thought was one of, one of your most interesting points, is robogasms. Can you kind of go into robogasms, what they are, and what you guys found in your study?
3: Well, I was absolutely astonished at this. I'm glad you, you picked it up first. Uh, you know, we really just wanted to know uh, uh, whether you would have sex with a robot. And, <laughs> uh, uh, it, and uh, 31% of men said yes, and 15% of women said yes. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Actually, I would have thought that it would be a little higher. But um, just because it's uh, something new... Um, but what really blew my mind, and it did blow my mind, was that 39% of men and 56% of women regard it as cheating. If they had a partner who had a sex doll and was having sex with that sex doll, they would regard it as cheating. And that really made me think about this. And, you know, I mean, people are so worried about... Uh, um, you know, having, having their jobs be taken away from them by robots. And I suddenly occurred to me, my God, these people think that, you know, uh, a robot is going to take their lover away too. I think- so I really had to think about it. And I-, I began to think, you know, I mean, you know, there's intimacy during sex. It's not just the actual orgasm, but it's the laughter and the, and the intimacy and the kissing and, you know, saying, I love you and all of that. And, of course, you're not getting that if your partner's upstairs with a doll. I think it Uh, depends
2: on, like, if you're comfortable with your partner, like, masturbating on their own, and, like, you don't have to have sex with just your partner, but you can masturbate when you're alone. Like, that kind of determines if you're okay having sex with the robot or not. I
0: wouldn't think that having, I don't think masturbating is at all uh, cheating or annoying. I think with the robot, I would never consider it, cheating with the robot because it's not going to come along with the intimacy and the emotion right all that. I wouldn't even- However... I wouldn't like it. I don't want him to do that. That's weird. What's the difference between that and a vibrator, though? Like, what this robot... this is my question. Well, to me... This is my
3: question. And I think what the difference... I've been been thinking about this over and I think the real difference is, you know, these dolls are expensive. I mean, if you pay $10,000 for a doll, you're going to use it regularly. Whereas people tend to masturbate when their partner's out of town, when their partner is just doing something else. It's not one of these sort of regular things. They haven't invested more than a... I don't know know what a vibrator costs, but probably 20 bucks or whatever. I <laughs> So you sort of figure that, you know, the vibrator is something that you use when the other partner isn't around. Whereas with a doll, it's almost the investment is such that, that you're going to be doing I mean, you when you cook dinner for somebody, you have a nice dinner, and boom, they go upstairs to have sex with the doll. Right. So, it's strong. more I of I think it's a, to buy a doll. frequency.
1: <laughs> right. To me, I think right? it's more of a... I personally think it's more of a replacement, like you were saying. And when this came out, because I, I just knew about this like a month ago. I don't know how long these have been around. But everyone listening, there are now like female robots that can have sex sex with men. My question to you, Helen, is are there robots that women can have That's what
3: sex I was with? Um, I, I don't know at this point, but if they don't have them, I'm sure that they will get them. Um, I wonder if women will be as interested in it because, you know, our data show that only 15% of women would have sex with a robot, whereas 31%, which is almost one out of three men, uh, would have sex with a robot. So, um, I guess... I mean, probably a lot of women have vibrators, but... Uh, I was going to say, isn't that like a dildo? Why
2: do we need the whole body?
3: Because that's creepy to yeah, me. Yeah, that's intimacy, <laughs> exactly. I guess, to look at a
2: face.
1: Well, there's people that are more introverted, that stay at home, that don't have a lot of friends, aren't as social, that I could see this being a market for. However, I just want to throw out there, I think it's cheating. If I go in the room and you are fucking a robot, you are cheating. What is the Ryan Gosling <laughs> movie? Not, not... Well, I would just
3: oh. think it was a lack of intimacy, because, you, you know, oh, when oh, you... Oh, oh, any oh. kind of... Any kind of stimulation of the genitals drives up the dopamine system in the brain and can push you over the threshold into either staying in love or, 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 or you know, triggering love. Staying on love. And the with t- orgasm, with orgasm, there's a real flood of oxytocin and vasopressin linked with feelings of attachment. And if your partner is having sex with a doll, you are not getting that flood of dopamine along with energy and optimism and, and focus and motivation. You're not getting that oxytocin along with feelings of attachment and calm and security. So it's not just denying you the sex. It's not just denying you the psychology of the intimacy and the laughter and the fun. But it's also denying you of various physiological uh, uh, release that is actually good for the brain and body. I feel
1: like you are burning calories, though. So you probably get a sick workout out of it. But what were you going to say, Lauren?
2: Oh, um, I had two things, actually. But staying on the topic of technology, a very interesting fact that, that I saw in your study was that those who have cable or satellite <laughs> TV increase their chance of orgasm by four points? <laughs> <laughs> percentage, yeah. for, That's And insane. then, or Hulu or Netflix by 36
3: yeah. Well, my hypothesis is that if you've got those kinds of things, you spend a lot of time at home. And if you spend a lot of time at home, you're going to have your girlfriend or boyfriend over a lot more. And so you've got more alternatives hmm. to do it. Then That's my only guess. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I, I- was going to say, I don't have cable. Ashley and Lauren have cable. And I'm like, if this is the fucking reason that I'm not orgasming as much as Lauren, mm. <laughs> that I'm signing up for like satellite. But it also says
2: that uh, if you
1: have HBO or Showtime,
2: you have fourteen yeah. times more likely to have sex. And my theory That's here, Game of Thrones, right there. My yeah. theory sex here is is Game of Thrones and like these shows that bring like men it's and women almost, together. They bring them together, but also they're the only places where you can see like sex and on you see TV. sex on TV. So you see it, you watch it with the person you're, you like, and then you have sex, right?
3: it's so exactly it's amazing and you also have a lot to talk about uh you know because you're sharing the time together now i mean i'm a person who just didn't didn't even own a television until very recently i mean i just didn't i didn't i mean tv was around when i grew up but i I have an identical twin sister and i just never got an interest in it and i mean i i live in new york i go out every night i'm in all day writing i'm a writer and an academic and i go out every night so i'm not a tv watcher but uh, my new boyfriend is a tv watcher and I can really see the pattern of, you know, opportunity for sex if you're at home all night.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, talk about Netflix and chill being for real. It's
2: for real. Yeah,
0: but it's actually three points. It's actually a point less. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. So it's more like cable and chill. Oh, you're right. Cable and chill. I just wonder... um, I
2: don't know if it's somebody who enjoys the comforts of home and, like, uh, there's somebody who's, like, Well, you're not going to have sex while you're out at a bar, so if you're home doing something, then you can have sex. No, but, guys, this is so interesting. Because
0: no, but Ashley, it's, the, actually, it's, it's like- not the sex rate. It's not how much sex you're having, correct? It's the amount, the
3: likelihood of no, having an it's orgasm. Have sex. Oh. Oh, I thought uh, it was
1: orgasm, Lauren. It,
2: okay, well, yeah. here it says orgasm and... And sex, sex,
3: and and I think you're onto something because you know this is co- uh, this is a correlation, but not causation. In other words, exactly. just because people are watching more TV uh, and just because they are having more sex doesn't mean that uh, uh, one leads to the other. Just like you're saying, it might be the kind of person who watches a lot of these things is home all the time. Well, that's funny you has say a that. a certain lifestyle that likes to sort of nest, and when you're nesting, you're having sex. So. Yeah. You know, I was just
1: thinking about how, like, you guys have Gergi and maybe people that have dogs are more likely to be home more, too, mm-hmm. and they probably have more sex than people are. Is there a correlation well, we between pets and actually. sex? Yeah.
3: Well, the other thing is the kind of people who have dogs and cats and things probably are more nurturing. Yeah. And perhaps with the more nurturing, they want to nurture partner and nurture dinner and all of that rather than... The, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm suspect of, of, of any real correlation, uh, causation here, because... You know, the kind of person who's very adventurous and wants to go out all the time, it tends to be very high dopamine. And high dopamine kind of person triggers the testosterone system and is likely to be quite sexual. So uh, I don't think we've gotten to the bottom of it, but uh, uh, it's entirely possible if you get on these shows, you'll have more sex. We'll find out someday.
0: I'm going to jump in for a second and tell you about something that I like to do to keep myself in shape. Beachbody On Demand. It's an online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a huge variety of highly effective world-class workouts i've been working on my core strength and toning up i think you guys can tell my stomach looks pretty good right now <laughs> and i've been enjoying the ability to find specific videos and concentrate on certain bodies of areas of my body they have things like piyo p90x insanity 21 day fix and t25 Love it. It's so awesome. I know.
1: And my favorite part about Beachbody On Demand is that you guys can customize your workouts because they have short 10-minute workouts, which are so perfect for me because I literally have five jobs and I'm like so busy. And I personally like to play the videos on my iPad or my phone. Like it's just so easy to work out now. You definitely need to give this service a try.
2: Right now, our listeners can get a free trial membership when you text "get it" G-E-T-I-T, all one word, no spaces to 30-30-30. You'll get full access access to this entire platform for free all the workouts and nutrition information free just text get it g-e-t-i-t to 30 30 30 okay let's get back to the show
0: all right so i want to know you've been doing this for eight years what kind of things um what kind of trends in dating have you seen increase and what have you seen decrease
3: Well, what we've really seen increases more and more. People are on the internet, meeting people on the internet. I mean, this past year in the Singles in America study by Match, and me, of course, um, only six percent of somebody of people met in a bar. Twenty-five percent met uh, met somebody new through a friend, and forty percent met somebody on the internet. Way to go! And fifty-nine percent, yeah. It seems to be, it, I mean, more and more and more, it's the, it's the way people are going uh, oh, uh, this of is, any age.
0: This is why I say I don't even care if I'm not going out to you meet somebody, to. because I don't think that's a very no. highly like likely way of finding somebody Only 6% if you go out to a bar. 6%?
1: Yeah. That's ridiculous. But that's because no one's going. Helen, did you meet per- your new boyfriend? No, friend. they
3: are going to bars, but they're going to meet their friends. They're not going to meet uh, uh, sweethearts. Um, they're going and and they're actually they'll go. The young people will go to a bar uh, and to meet their friends, and they sit there in the corner, like ten of them, all on Tinder. That's, so you know they might be going to the bar, but they're still meeting the people through the internet, even if they do go to the bar. Helen, so, did you meet your uh, boyfriend? Your
2: new boyfriend on a Match or online?
3: I didn't. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, I was going out with a man for the last eighteen years, and and so I didn't want to go on to Match or Chemistry or any of them because I already had a boyfriend, and then. I met a new guy. I mean, he and I broke up, and I met a new guy just through business and everything. So, yeah. but I I would end up doing it. I mean, you know, I'm over fifty, and um, the, the, the the one of the fastest growing sites is our time, which is uh, uh, for people over fifty. So, uh you know, and 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 you know, Match works. I mean, these things work. I, you know, uh, in fact, I did a study with Match last year. Uh, in which we measured, you know, don't forget, this is we are not polling the Match members. This is a regular, you know, people from around the country, and we we isolated those who were dating through Match uh, through the internet, as opposed to those who were not dating through the internet, just other other ways, more traditional ways. And we found that those people who actually were looking on the internet instead of through friends and family and bar and this and that tended to be um, much better educated, uh, 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 much more likely to have had a, a full time, be having a full time job, and much more likely to marry. So uh, I think people are getting the drift here that um, it's easy, it's cheap, as long as you follow some very simple directions. And, by the way, you know, these are not dating sites. I've told the president of Match, everybody agrees with it. They are introducing sites. They're not dating sites. The only real algorithm is your own brain. You've got to go out there and meet the people. And once you do, you smile, you know, the ancient brain clicks into action, and you, you smile, and you laugh, and you listen, and you look, and you watch, and you parade exactly the way we did probably a right. million years ago. So these How are I- introducing sites
1: Oh, sorry. Helen, yeah. I love um, the perspective of introducing sites, but I want to segue into another trend um, that Ashley and Lauren and I feel very strongly about, and that is ghosting. I don't know if you know this, but we actually do a segment on our podcast called Ghostbusters, where we have a person call in that's been ghosted, and then we get the person that ghosted them on the line. And I think, wow. op- obviously, this is an epidemic, and we are totally faces and advocates of busting people that are ghosting. I don't know if it's
3: ghosting. an epidemic. I mean, I would imagine people were ghosting a 1,000 years ago, 500,000 years ago. You know, let's go back to the American (laughs) West. I mean, some guy pulls into into Dodge in his big, you know, stallion, and he, you know, he woos some woman for a week, and then he gets on his stallion and disappears. I I would just tell myself that that he died in that case. Totally.
1: I think it's just easier with technology now. So can you kind of go into what you guys found in this year's study um, as far as ghosting goes?
3: Well, we just found that, uh, you know, actually the data's not in front of me, it's in front of you. So, uh, and I, and I can't remember that part. But, uh, the bottom line is what, what really, uh, uh, impressed me with it is all of these new terms. I mean, not only are all singles, they're really revolutionizing our language. They're adding so many words. I mean, in my day, people ghosted. There wasn't anything new about just vanishing. Um, but um, they're, they're labeling it now And they're labeling, you know, zombieing These are these are people who are, you know, they've ghosted you And, and sure enough, so and so many months later They show up again And I do remember some of that data I mean, right. they are, they're not coming back to fall in love with you again They may be wanting sex They may just want to know what you're doing They may be bored And so they're checking in on they're something in the They're coming back to but... haunt
1: you as a zombie Well, I do want to share the ghosting stats for everyone listening Because it's really interesting So, in your study, how ellen um it is written that 43 percent of singles have ghosted someone 43 percent of men and 43 percent of women and 55 percent of singles have been ghosted and that is 56 percent of men 54 percent of women and then you wrote so you may be ghosting it says that, prone it yeah. says that
2: men um feel more pain when they are ghosted rather than women because they fall faster than us which is odd right. why, why do men fall yeah faster? why do men fall faster
3: Oh, men fall faster uh, in love for several reasons, but the main one is they're more visual uh, than women. And also, uh, they've got a little less to lose. I mean, for millions of years, women and still do have nine months of carrying the baby in the womb. And, um, you know, uh, childbirth has been dangerous through all of human evolution. And everywhere in the world, women spend more time with very small children until after the age of about four uh, and so, you know, women are the picky sex. I mean, men fall in love faster than women do. Because there's so a visual, they fall in love more often than women do. Uh, they want to have more public displays of affection. It's called uh, mate guarding. Uh, men want to introduce a, a woman to friends and family sooner. When they fall in love, men want to move in sooner. Uh, men have more intimate conversations with their wives than women do with their husbands because uh, women have our we have our intimate conversations with our girlfriends, and men are two and a half times more likely to kill themselves when a relationship is over. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have been trying wow. to tell the women's magazines this for thirty years. They are dedicated to the belief that you know men are all the scoundrels and the and women are all the you know the the the, the abandoned. Uh, uh victims it's not true
1: right well helen when you say they're more visual so then is that more lust or is that real love to you because because if they're falling in love more based on visuals
3: you know yeah. are you well, saying more you they know, fall I mean, in lust faster or love faster? okay uh, uh we've evolved three distinctly different brain systems for mating and reproduction one is the sex drive one of the feelings of intense romantic love, and the third is feelings of deep attachment. And in our studies, we were studying romantic love, falling in love, who falls in love faster. Uh, in terms of who wants to have sex sooner, men definitely do want to have sex sooner uh, than women do. Once again, for obvious reasons, they got quite a bit less to lose. She can get pregnant, and he, he doesn't have to suffer with that. So, uh, but what we measured was falling in love, and it's a different brain system from the sex system.
0: Um, I Speaking of this and men falling in love, I think there's a reputation out there right now that guys are less interested in marriage than women are. So I want to know what the trend over the past eight years has been as far as people's desire to get married.
3: It's amazing. Uh, among uh, the very young, uh, in your early 20s, men want to uh, marry more than women. This is what we've found. But um, it, when you get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you get less, both sexes become less and less interested in marriage. Uh, and for obvious reasons. I mean, their reproductive years are over. And so, you know, why do they need that to, to bear babies? So, um, on the other hand, eighty percent of singles today do expect to marry, and almost ninety percent will marry by age forty-nine. So what is you yay. Know, what other- that's great news. I'm so
0: happy right now. <laughs> However, what's the difference in this year versus maybe the early two thousands? As far as that eighty percent, has that increased or declined? That's a
1: great question, Ashley.
3: Yeah, the um, we don't. I, I I don't have all that data on me. I mean, I'm this is reams and reams of data, but from other. Studies we are now finding that um, marriage is increasing. More people are marrying now. Divorce is very stable uh, uh, these days. It's between maybe 43 and 46%, It's not 50%. Highest divorce peak was in 1981. It's gone down considerably since then. It's stable and people are, are marrying actually a little more. What's important to know is that they're marrying much later. And I call it slow love. What we're really seeing now is an extension of what I call the pre-commitment stage you know, in the, in the past, I mean, you met somebody and you married them. Mm-hmm. And these days, marriage is the finale, you know. And, and what we're doing is this long, slow courtship process, you know. They might hop into bed the first night, move into a friends benefits, slowly begin to tell friends and family if it's working, slowly come out into the public, slowly move in and live together for a long period of time before they marry. And a lot of Americans think that this is just reckless. I think it's caution. I think they wanna know every single thing about a person before they tie the knot. And that made me begin to realize, oh, wow, you know this long pre-commitment stage, you're learning a lot more about yourself, a lot more about sex and relationships and attachment, and you're getting rid of the people you don't want. So I began to think, okay, under those circumstances, maybe by the time you walk down the aisle, you actually know who you've got. You know you want who you got, right. and you think you can keep who you got. So, in fact, I did a study of 1,100 married people because I thought to myself, well, You know, if you're getting rid of the bad relationships before you ever, uh, you know, marry the person, maybe we're going to see happier marriages. So that's what I was just going to ask you.
0: I was going to say, so it's maybe a misconception that people aren't going to want to get, aren't wanting to get married. And actually people do want to get married, but they're waiting later. And are we having healthier, more successful marriages because of this wait?
3: Yes. And what I did is I I studied with Match, um, 1,100 married people. And not on match.com, but 1,100 married people. And I asked a lot of questions. But one of the questions was, would you remarry the person you're currently married to? Guess what the answer was? Yes. Very high, high high likely yes. No. 81% said yes. Eighty-one percent would remarry the person they're currently married to. I think we're going to move towards more stability in marriage. Yeah. Now we've got a very long. The other thing is, you know, the later you marry, the more likely you are to remain married. I, I, I've got that data on through the demographic yearbooks of the United Nations on eighty cultures, so it's pretty solid data. On the other hand, the more we live till to be a hundred, I think we will. You know, that's going to be a counter trend where people are going to say. Right. Plus, you know, women moving into the job market. I mean. In the past, you know, on a farm, a woman really could not leave. She didn't have the education. She didn't have the money. She couldn't cut the cow in half and take it out of town. They were stuck for life. These days, nobody's stuck for life. I mean, the biggest modern trend is women piling into the job market in cultures around the world, giving women much more economic power, sexual power, social power, the ability to stay in things that work and the ability to leave things that don't. All the power,
1: all the power, Helen. I want you, because you kind of touched upon it a little bit, but can you move into another part of your study that's so interesting and it's three different ways that people get into relationships, which I thought was fascinating.
3: I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in the press. I think it's the most important thing in the study, and nobody has else except for you. (laughs) Well, Naz Perez. Naz Perez. I appreciate it. I got your back, Fisher. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) And what we found was that there are three basic roads to love. And the first is, I call it friends without benefits. I think the more common term is just hanging out. And these are people who, you know, they go out in the group, they they hang out together, uh, and maybe they may kiss now and then, but it's not sexual. And they're just friends, and they're just getting to know each other for a long period of time, really, before they begin to uh, to date. And then the second route is sort of friends with benefits, uh, you know, having the sex with with the friendship but not telling people. And and the third is the more traditional way of, you know, just going out on, on a date with somebody. And what's so interesting about this is going out on a date used to be, in my day, it used to be just a look-see. It didn't mean anything. Oh, he's wanted to see what you're like. These days it's taken on enormous importance. And so an yeah, awful pressure. lot of singles these days, yeah, they, and pressure. And these days, so singles will take a long period of time just getting to know somebody before they go out on the first official date and you know i began to think about that i mean in my day i i was at home with my parents and then a boy invited me out and he would pick me up after dinner and we'd go play miniature golf or go parking or something and that was not very expensive these days when you ask somebody out it could cost you two hundred dollars for supper and so the first date is taking on enormous importance and so that's why people are doing it later and later they're having the friends with benefits or the friendships without benefits and getting to know the person before they go out on the first date and, and that means that there's going to be fewer first dates right. and it's because they're more important and fewer people are willing to do it until they, they there's, there's something real going on it's, so you know the newspapers are constantly saying oh you know we're having fewer dates Yes, we're having fewer days because it's taking longer to get there, and they're more important, and they are much more of a symbol of oh, I think this could be a romance.
1: Helen, can we dive deeper into the friends with benefits category because I just that's that is what's most fascinating, I think, to all three of us here at the table because. We find that a lot of women, especially our listeners, find themselves in that situation, whether it's someone that just won't commit to them or we have stories all the time about people that have been on and off for 13 years and then they get married. So can you just dive a little deeper on your thoughts and results from the study on the friends
3: with benefits route?
0: And is that increasing (laughs) as far as people who end up together?
3: Uh, it seems to be increasing. What we found, we asked a, a lot of years about, you know, in the past we've asked, have you ever had a friends with benefits? And this year we decided to say, well, okay, we've asked that enough. Why don't we get into the weeds on this and say, you know, what are these relationships like? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, something like 55% uh, of singles have had a... Uh, uh, friends with benefits relationship. What's interesting, we found this year is that when we asked, "Have you ever had a friends with benefits that turned into a committed relationship?" and forty five percent of of singles said yes. Forty eight percent of men Woo-hoo! and forty two percent of men. <clears throat> <laughs> so it's basically the first stage. You know, you know, casual sex is not casual unless you're so drunk you can't remember. It's not casual. You get to know a lot about somebody. You know, you you you're, you're driving up the dopamine system. You know. You're more likely to fall in love. You're more likely to feel attached. So, but anyway, so this year we wanted to know well, what are the rules of this thing, and so we what asked people. And, yeah, well, uh, um, um, uh, we asked. You know, should this be exclusive? And I mean, are you having only one at a time? Yeah. And fifty nine percent of men and seventy four percent of women, yes, said yes. Yeah. It should be exclusive. They also say that uh, close friends are off limits. They mean
1: exclusively. Like they're
0: not. Yeah,
1: you're right.
3: That That's is not, a
1: relationship.
3: That's a relationship. relationship. That's not friends with benefits. Well, they mean, what we what we ask is, I, can you have more than one friends with benefits at a okay. time? And okay. they okay. say okay. no. Okay. It's only and friend, uh, close friends are off limits and mutual friends are off limits. Yeah. And a condom must be used. Um, it must be private. Um, you got to use birth control. Um, only thirty uh, percent say you're allowed to tell your uh, tell your close friends, whereas fifty nine whereas fifty nine percent of men and sixty six percent of women say it must be private. Um, it, what, one thing that was amazing me to me is uh, a lot of people believe about fifty percent of of singles believe that when you're in a friends with benefits relationship, you have veto power over simultaneous other friends with benefits. In other words. You know, two people are going doing this in the middle of the night, and and one says, "Geez, I'd like to, you know, do it also with somebody else." And and the other person has veto power over it over that. So um, they also have limits about when and uh, 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 when they contact each other. So interesting, because you know, I was in one of these. It's now turned into a real romance, but uh, and a lot of this was true of us. I mean, I did want it to be exclusive. I didn't want to sleeping... having friends with benefits with anybody else, and I don't think he did. We chose not to. You know, definitely uh, mutual friends are off-limits, uh, close friends are off-limits, uh, uh, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, it, it you know, all of these things have rules. It's just amazing how when it comes to sex, people make rules, and we're digging into what this means. I mean, you know, by the way, I mean, in my day, I mean, I'm a boomer, I'm older— we had friends with benefits, but we didn't call it yeah, that. Right. And once you name it, then you begin to have rules and taboos. And I'm very impressed with all these people who are who are really defining it. These days, singles wanted to define everything. In my day, it was very amorphous. I mean, there was no discussion of, oh, did you, were you sleeping with somebody else on the side? Or, you know, um, you know, can I tell close friends or anything? It was just sort of by the seat of your pants. I mean, Please. you're just doing it. Uh, But now with the naming of everything, um, they, you know they have more um, it, it's more opportunity, I guess, to just to define it. I'd like to
2: stop the show for a second and talk about BioClarity. We've been using BioClarity for quite some time now, and I'm so happy with the results. It's a three-step cleaning and cleansing process that I use twice a day, but unlike traditional acne treatments, BioClarity doesn't dry or irritate my skin, and I feel positive and confident.
0: Yeah, all you need to do is just cleanse, treat, and restore, and that's it's that simple. BioClarity does- doesn't use harsh chemicals. It's also cruelty-free for all you animal lovers like us out there. We love that. Um, and then in addition, of course, it keeps my skin... Calm and clear. We get so much feedback from you guys about bioclarity, and everything is positive. It makes me it makes me smile to be honest.
1: I know, because it actually works. So if you guys would like clear, fresh skin, all you have to do is go to bioclarity.com. So our listeners will get their first month for only $9.95 plus free shipping. So you guys, that's a $20 savings and it comes with a hundred percent risk-free money-back guarantee. But you guys need to enter our code GET IT G-E-T-I-T, no space. Pieces. that's bioclarity.com enter our code get it g-e-t-i-t and let's get back to the show um helen do you think that if you are in a friends with benefits relationship that you should establish rules based off your study
3: well um I mean not, I'm not really in the should business of what people should do and what they should not do but I and I think every couple is going to go to these relationships sort of for different reasons so I wouldn't want to say an overall thing um but I do think that the human animal does like to define what's fair what's logical and it is a bit um you know I mean people get hurt in love, I mean, nobody gets out of love alive, and I do think if we have some sort of standards for what is expected of us in various relationships, we might be either more cautious or more or more you know happy to go into them if we really knew what was going on uh, and so I, I, I would vote for you know they 're doing it whether we like it or not. they are creating rules. What I find so interesting is 80, when we asked, do you have any regrets eighty six percent said no. Uh, They have no regrets regrets that they did it. And I thought to myself, "Ah, it's odd because, you know, the human brain, you can fall in love pretty easily and get really hurt. But my guess is that, you know, you're not spending a lot of money. You're not spending a lot of time. You're not investing in telling all your friends and family. So you haven't lost a lot, uh, uh, visibly lost a lot. You may have lost some uh, self-esteem if the person dumps you or not, but... uh, But uh, the vast majority of these people uh, go into it and come out of it with, with no regrets. So
0: our generation has the reputation of, you know, not being very good communicators and being lost in technology. Do the studies show that we are less vocal or more vocal about our feelings than past generations?
3: I don't know if that's really measured properly. Everybody's so scared about this new technology. It's just absolutely amazing. Every time there's new technology, everybody's terrified it's going to kill romance or, or stop communication. It's just not true. I mean, what about in the early 1950s when the automobile... W- you know, became you know widely used. I mean, suddenly they had a rolling bedroom. It didn't change communication. It, you know, what about the birth control pill or Viagra? You know, Plato was scared that uh, when when uh, writing came in that it would kill the memory. I don't think it's killing communication. I can't walk down the street in New York City without dodging everybody on their cell phone talking to somebody. We are hyper connected these days. We're communicating just fine. We're just doing it differently i got one and more question
2: um oh, let's talk about good sex wait oh my gosh.
0: I, I, I was i got a couple i had one more
2: never this mind. one's so interesting okay, one's good. Okay. good sex um doesn't necessarily mean an orgasm so the best kind of sex that women think is a caring partner yeah in the most turnoff for everyone like men women straight um is too much talking during sex <laughs> that amazed me isn't that me? so funny that so it's like you? don't talk too much dirty talk or anything just don't talk and then you'll be fine
3: hmm. i mean i, I just love want that. to ask the two of you have you ever ran into anybody who talked too much during sex yes
2: really
0: i don't I hate it. what are
3: they doing they're just constantly chatting how can they even think they're what just like, I, do you like
2: it? Do you like that? Who's well, telling you
3: this? i will tell you later. Oh, right. yeah. I can't it, wait. She's not going to say. <laughs> I know. It
2: was uh, Connor. <laughs>
0: yeah. She's never slept with a Connor.
2: No, um, But yeah, that makes so much sense to me. But I think it's funny that men agree with that because I always think men want to have like dirty talk. Yeah. I feel like they're far more vocal than women.
1: I think, I think this is more referring to, and correct me if I'm wrong, Helen, the girl that's like, wait, hold on. And like. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I you just know what want- I mean?
3: Well, that could be it, you know, because that's interesting. Because I, I, I thought to myself, who? I mean, I've been around, and I, I've never had a man who was yakky yakking during sex. I mean, I mean, I like it when they whisper little things that are nice to you. But I, I mean, what are they starting to recite the dictionary? I, I've never that's never happened to me. But um but I think you might be to something because you know one thing: women get intimacy from face to face talking. It comes from millions of years of holding that baby in front of your face, controlling it, reprimanding, educating it with words. We get intimacy from talking. We swivel into a face to face. We do what's called the anchoring gaze, and we talk. And I myself have struck up a conversation with somebody before sex, and I think what I was doing was just trying to reach more intimacy before I got into bed. So maybe that's what they're talking about. But you know. Uh, uh, women, you know, uh, don't like m- men who are doing too much talking either. And I- I've never seen a man who did, who did too much talking, but obviously I'm out of it. Uh, but, it also- you know, both men and women, you know, the foremost things that both men and women uh, regard as good sex is a caring partner and an enthusiastic partner. Those are the two top things every... Every generation, every racial group, uh, every part of the country, that's what they're really looking for, somebody who's caring and somebody who's in, in, enthusiastic.
0: Okay. I'm, in, I'm into that. I agree you with that. You have one more question? I do have one more question. I have one more um, question. Does everybody have one more? Are we going to wrap the table one more <laughs> well, time? Well,
1: no, there's one last topic I'd like to oh, hit okay. before we then, close yes, off, so yes, you guys yes. go ahead and then I'll Oh, really?
0: What's your yeah. Okay. All right. Um, there's, like, this thought that, half of marriages end in divorce but i'd like to clarify that one you said that the divorce rate was down but don't your odds of a successful marriage go far up after you've been married post 25 years old and if you're college educated
3: yes um and and for and for good reasons i mean the older you married the more you know what you want, the more you're. you have got. I mean, these days people are, don't want to marry until they've got a stable career and a, and a stable money flow, and a stable life. I mean, in the past, I mean, people married very young and then tried to build career and fa- and family. And uh, and these days they want. I yeah, mean, women are going into the now. job market. Yeah, it is. And um um, what was that second part? The the later you marry, the more likely you are to marry. And then but you know the second part that you I ah, yes. Well, I think that's a very different thing. Um, College-educated people have gotten a more stable uh, lifestyle. I mean, they're likely to get uh, a higher income, uh, a more stable career, uh, and, 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 and simply be in a position to marry. I mean, if you're not financially stable and you've got a partner who doesn't have a job, and you marry them, you may spend the rest of your life uh you know paying alimony and child support or or whatever, and so you know uh, they 're delaying marriage until they 've got the uh, career and uh you know settled Helen that' uh, well, brings what up, they think of it
1: that brings up an interesting point of actually had I've been having a lot of conversations with my friends about this particular topic, and that is the woman becoming the breadwinner and how that affects relationships. Um, because obviously, as you've mentioned on this podcast, um, women in the workforce is like, obviously, more and more, wow. we are thriving. Gergie agrees. <laughs> um, so is, has your study in the past eight years have any statistics on women making more money and how that affects relationships or
3: a relationship if she's the breadwinner? Um. That's a really good question and I'm gonna write that one down and we're gonna do that one next year. That's a really good question. Oh, and I got I you, Helen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, uh, but I certainly have asked about feminism and, uh, I did that last year with, with Match and Singles in America. Oh. And men are very, um, uh, enthusiastic about feminism. They feel that, uh, oddly enough, they feel safer and they feel, Uh, freer to be themselves, uh, uh, whereas women say that feminism has made them more picky uh, because they can, you know, I guess they feel as if they've got more power in the relationship uh, these days than in the past. So um, feminism is affecting uh, relationships. There's no question about it. Women still want men to pay the bill uh, Mm -hmm. if it's a real date. And men actually still really want to pay the bill. That's a tradition that is not... uh, has not changed a great deal. It's, it's, more, it's
2: more about tradition rather than, like, feminism when you want him to pay. 100%.
3: Yeah, I, I don't even think it's tradition or feminism. I think it's basic human nature. Yeah. Yeah. For millions of years, women needed a male, a man. I mean, let's go back four million years on the grasslands of Africa. She's wandering around holding a baby in her arm. She wants a, 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 a partner who can provide and protect And when a man pays, he's signaling that he's the right kind of guy to be her her partner. So I think this is more primitive, more primordial, and I think it'll persist. You know, But I do, I mean, I know all kinds of women that make more money than their husbands, and every one of them has to, in some way, deal with this. And I ask them that, because I make a lot of speeches on gender differences in the brain to high-power women in businesses. And... You know, they all seem to have a husband, and very often their husband is a primary school teacher or, you know, he's an artist or something that doesn't pull in a lot of dough. And they all have to, in one way or another, work this out before they wed so that isn't a constant uh, issue.
1: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret?
2: Um, I have a, one of the statistics that really stood out to me when I was reading your study was that, um, in the who loves their look category, African Americans are the happiest with the way they look with 72%, while whites report lowest level of body satisfaction with 56%. Wow, explain. that's so, so like interesting. I, would, I have no idea why that is. Please explain.
3: Um, I, I don't really either. Um, except, uh, you know, in the past, um, uh, over uh, people who had lots of fat on them uh, were admired because those were the ones that had more money. I mean, had more money. I mean, were able to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go into a hunting and gathering society, I mean, a friend of mine went into a, a hunting and gathering society, and she was, you know, a plump American. And everybody else was very thin and they admired her for her fat because that meant that she could you know eat anything she wanted. So Can I we think go, that is-
1: can we get a DeLorean and go back to that time, please? Um, I was thinking that
0: is it because and I, you can go I ahead. hope this is a little this is maybe a little, <laughs> little sensitive to say, but um black men tend to like curves and like a little more cushion for the push in. You think like black women feel best about themselves because they feel like they don't have to scrutinize every part of their body?
3: Yeah, I, I do think so. I think they are more relaxed uh, for that reason. But, I, you know, um, uh, white men really do not like skinny girls. Yeah, uh, No, that's true. It, I it know. Seems, it, it, you know, it seems to be a woman to woman thing. And I think in many respects, it's sort of an advertisement that you can eat so well uh you know and you're thin and white that means you do have enough time to get exercise you have enough money to eat the right food you've got enough education to know what to eat and what not to eat you can go on vacations and relax etc so i think they're advertising different things
1: this is fascinating because so lauren and ashley actually just being friends with them have like helped me embrace my curves so i feel like growing up i always tried to like hide them and then we, re- I tell her all the time, like, guys want that ass and of yours. I think as Latin Americans, I actually feel like we are very, like, we tend to blend in to avoid prejudice sometimes. Like, I'll, like, avoid my culture because of that growing up. But does, is there any stat as far as, like, Latin Americans go uh, on that? I'm no, just, just in just in it was that just stat, it was just
2: black and
3: white. So interesting. But
2: just the fact that they have the highest and whites have the lowest, you guys are probably in the middle there.
0: Well, it's I'd so always have admired the Latin culture for being so embraceive of right. curves.
3: right. Well, I think more and more of the world, though, is going to come around to being thin. Uh, I mean, not thin, but sort of regular sized. uh, And I do think that, um, you know, that's a a slow moving meme, a a slow moving idea. And that as blacks move into more of the middle class, they will adopt some of these middle class attitudes themselves. So um, and I do think I mean, we all know that being thinner is uh, more healthy. And so, I mean, as people aspire to positions where they can eat the right kind of food, have the enough education to know what to eat uh, and have the time to do the exercise, I think all kinds of people from all kinds of ethnic backgrounds are going to adopt the, um, you know, the hope for, uh, you know, thinner. Although, I mean, we've gotten pretty outrageous about it. I mean, too thin is we're getting too thin. But the bottom line is, uh, I do think that it's going to be more and more admired around the world that, uh, that um, you know, that uh, you're regular size rather than obese.
1: I know. I love it. We're just so woke in 2018. Well, Helen, we want to end um, this conversation, fascinating conversation, on the other part of your study that we found really interesting called More the Merrier. And I was really interested to find out that more women than men have dated people simultaneously. Can you kind of right. give us a little insight on that part of the study to wrap
3: things up? Sure, I mean, uh, women are the picky sex um, and nobody has that much time and uh, they're going to keep all their options open and they can keep all their options open. I mean, women are very clever. You know, men are men- more straightforward. They're more tough-minded. Uh, uh, they might be even more rule-bound. But, uh, you know, women are the, are emotionally sophisticated, uh, good at, uh, you know, good at running several things at the same time. And they're taking this opportunity in their lives when they can do it to to, to keep their options open. And I think it's as simple as that. All
1: right. Well, this was truly <laughs> fascinating, you guys. This is Helen Fisher. She does a study for Match.com every year for singles in America. And Helen, I just can't wait to hear your study on women being the breadwinners next year.
3: I'm going to write that down right this minute. <laughs> Thank, Thank, you.
1: Thank,
0: you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. I'm sure we'll have you back on. Because people, well, if you'd, if you'd come. Much.
3: It was a lot of fun with you guys. Thank, Thank you. you and happy Valentine's Day. Happy, happy Valentine's day. day. Happy Single Awareness Day. <laughs> bye. Bye
1: bye. Well, that was, that was fascinating, you guys. It really
0: was. I mean, I have a list of questions here that I still didn't get to ask. Like, I want to know how many people consider themselves friends before anything else. I
1: think
2: that's actually in the study and the majority of people have. The majority of people consider, start with friends and then go. Really? Yes. Yes. Lauren so, like, read the entire study. I read the entire thing. So, like, they don't start out, like, be going
0: on a first date. Like, in a like right. this they is going to be a romantic off thing, thing. They start friends out as for friends for, like, a while. Then it evolves. Yes. Right.
1: That's what she was saying, that there's three different stages to, right. like, getting Relationship. And the most
2: the majority of this day is today is friends with benefits friends with benefits when, or, or just friends with not even the benefits yeah right, that's yeah. just so total
0: yeah. you're either friends with benefits or just friends yeah. yeah um so you never you don't start out your your relationship as with the intent to be Which she
1: was saying like well people... here i pulled it up is this laura you're talking about hanging out which is a new phase of dating yeah, yeah. and it, she wrote in the study guys hanging out has become a new path for single people to find companionship singles largely believe that a wider array of behaviors behaviors are appropriate when hanging out slash casual dating than when you're on a first official date, which is true. There's so much pressure on the first official yeah. date these days. You know, no one does them anymore. Like exactly. that's what I was saying. Like,
2: mom, we're like, how many guys did you date when you're on? Because she would go yeah. on so many first dates because that's, that's what they the did. Only way there to was hang hang out. no hanging yeah. out phase back then, so it was all first dates. I'm like, how many guys did she just go on first date or first date after the first date of the first, first date? And she got married when she was 22, so she went on a lot of dates, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it was then, you right. know, exactly like the mini golfing the thing that she was talking
0: yeah. about. Yeah, for us, we're like, there was this. Guy. Like we were hanging out for like two months. I like, this guy. like I months. this guy. Yeah. I like this guy. Exactly.
1: And yeah. I thought it was really interesting how she said we have to label everything, and yeah, I think as our generation or in the modern day, and I think that's so detrimental. I think if you and that I'm totally like at fault for this, but I think if you just go with the flow, yeah. like we've all seen, the people that stop caring are you know it's when it happens the you. only
2: reason i think we're so obsessed with labeling is because we live our lives on instagram and if you can i upload a picture can i not upload a picture mm. exactly and there's a list on her Facebook study that says when is it appropriate to tag someone when's it appropriate to friend them when's it appropriate to post a picture with them what does it say we should share that. um af- it like that in the different phases
0: it says um, here let me
1: look that up well okay. naz
0: looks that up i want to discuss one thing i think it's so important for some weird reason this has always been important to me that people know that the divorce rate isn't 50 percent. Unless, like, I'm yeah. glad that you clarified that because me, let's just say, I get married at 31. So me as a 31 year old grad school student, you know, um, graduate graduate degree. Yeah, my percentage of getting divorced is like, is like what? It's, 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 like it's like 20 it's like 20 it's like nothing yeah. so but that's why it's i just think that a lot of people are like oh what's the point of getting married 50 percent and a divorce it's like yeah. no that's the overall stat of like everybody combined you're thinking about too many people who are bringing that stat basically
2: down. we learned also we just gotta chill because it, we're smarter by just like you know being our age and not yeah. already having three kids like a lot of
0: people that's actually really interesting that she was talking about the more successful, happy, healthy marriages are coming out of this generation. It's funny
1: because this whole conversation with Helen made me feel so much more at ease because I'm like, well, I'm fine. I I spent so much of my life in my 20s freaking out. I'm turning 28 in two months, and I'm like, I still haven't had a boyfriend. This is so depressing. But then I'm like, I am getting further along in my career, in my financial status. I am learning what I want, what I don't want. And hopefully the guy I meet is there too, so we'll stay together forever. Um, I found some of the stats. Lauren, this is so interesting. So 36% of singles say it's now time to start following a date on Instagram, with another 33% who say they've already started. 34% say it's acceptable. It's now acceptable to follow the person you're dating That's on That's after a first date, right? Oh, I'm sorry. You're right, Lauren. I fucked up. So all of these stats are after a few dates. A few dates. Then you can follow... On and exactly. friend. After a few dates, by this stage most singles are all in for being friends on Facebook. Seventy five percent are connected and direct messaging them. After a few dates 40% of singles say this is the time it becomes acceptable to tag them in a post which I am mm-hmm. actually terrified of doing. I don't know if I would do that. I think I would only tag someone if I was <laughs> if I was their girlfriend. I just farted. <laughs> Lauren. It was so loud. I
0: thought the mic picked it up. Lauren. Okay, sorry. sorry. Go. Does it smell? No, I don't, it does it's not a smelly one. It was so
1: short and loud. <sighs> oh god. <laughs> What do you guys think about that?
2: I think that... I'd be so scared to tag someone of if I pe- wasn't their
1: girlfriend, but maybe I should be more confident and just tag them and be like, right. fuck it But then you freak them out shit.
2: because... Well, the only reason they would mind if they're still talking to other girls... There's a difference
0: between adding and tagging.
2: That's, that's what and I were talking about last night. If you difference added him the and caption, tagging. that'd be like, whoa. Yeah. But if
0: you tagged him, meh, it's fine.
2: You think it's fine if you tag him? Yeah. Well, then he's
0: in his tagged photos, which we all yeah, know I women know. look at all the time. But then it always gets misinterpreted as like friends. Yeah, this last no stat I'll leave you
1: guys with is only one in 10 singles think that this is the appropriate time to change your profile to a couple photo. So, see, it's like kind of crazy if you do that. I think. You have to be together for a while to do the crazy couple too photo. I read. Right. Wait, what's that stat? 56 thinks it's okay to put. A couple six. photo
0: at what time though? No,
1: it's only one in ten singles. Oh, one in ten. After six. a few dates, only one oh, in ten a people. Couple photos. I was going to say you
0: need to be together for like six months. Yeah, I agree. Anyways, right.
1: we could talk about this study forever. forever. It is so fascinating. There's so much info in it, but we hope you guys <laughs> loved it and let us know on Instagram or Twitter um, or at info at heartbroken anonymous or Facebook group or our Facebook group what you guys thought of this, what you found most interesting, what you want to know. If we do a part two, do you want a part two? And follow me and Lauren on Instagram. I'm at Naz Perez. And watch my Lauren new AI. show,
0: The Story of Us, on YouTube,
1: please.
0: Yes. yes. And all come right.
1: to Heartbroken Anonymous. Yeah. Heartbroken. All, all
0: and, <laughs> and go to Just Fab. And <laughs> listen to the Almost Famous podcast. <laughs> and watch the Bachelor Winter Games. <laughs>
1: and follow me on Instagram. <laughs> all right. Hey, bye.
3: bye. Bye. I don't miss. Podcast.